You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, what, what, what is there to say? I can just turn around and end it. I don't need to say anything. Just shut this podcast down, man. You already know. You already know. What, what, let, let's start with this. What was the theme of yesterday? You can have all the theories in the world that you want, but how that, fear, that theory interacts with reality is all that matters. And the two prevailing theories, and, and there's, there's really four different theories, two for the Vikings, two for the Packers, but the two prevailing theories for the Vikings are, number one, they are what their record says they are. Number two, they're complete frauds. They played the Lions. They were underdogs. They lost. Frauds. The next week, frauds. The next week, frauds. This week, frauds. Four weeks in a row, at least they have been proven to be frauds. I don't care that they won two out of the four. The Giants and Colts are straight trash. And they couldn't even... If, if, if the Chiefs had played... Either of those two teams, the line would have been set at negative 10 minimum. The Vikings have not covered the spread in, in over four weeks. That is to say, Vegas has been disrespectful, and the Vikings haven't been able to prove that they're wrong. In fact, Vegas has been proven to be too respectful of Minnesota. That team is not good. And they can sit there and brag about 12-4 and four all they want, but at the end of the day, that's all it's going to be because everybody at this point in time knows without a shadow of a doubt that the two best teams in the NFC North are the Packers and the Lions, and the Vikings are the third best team. They get to hang a banner, but nobody will ever remember the Vikings as being a good team this year because they're not, and everybody knows it. And the funny thing is, everybody knew it coming into this game. Everything that I said coming into this game, for the most part, whenever anybody said the Packers were going to lose, this is what, what blew me away with the Vikings. Whenever somebody said the Packers are going to lose, it wasn't ever because the Vikings are a good football team. Nobody ever thought they were good. And so despite the fact that all these people are going to have to eat their words about the Packers being bad, and that's the other two theories about the Packers, 
despite that fact, the Vikings losing, nobody's going to have to eat their words on that. Almost nobody. Who, who, who in that entire, entire week-long slog of me bringing up clips, how many times did you hear how great they were? We heard that Cousins was better than Rodgers, but like I told you live during the show, that was not a compliment to Cousins. That was a shot at Rodgers. So the only thing this is, is a bunch of people going, oh man, stupid Packers are actually looking good and making me sound so Nobody's saying, oh man, I said the Vikings were good and I was way off. Nobody's saying that. Nobody ever believed in the Vikings. So that's a done deal. They are a terrible football team. Terrible. And so anyways, today I really, really, really wanted to just jump into a bunch of receipt pulling and everything else, but logistically, it's just absolutely not possible. So we're going to have to do the same old boring stuff, you know, we always do. Uh, and that is just recap and celebrate and just just, just feel good together. First things first, um, as far as I'm concerned, as I've said, the defense pitched a shutout. Starting defense pitched a shutout. Um, the only score given up by the starting defense was three points when the Vikings started at the one-yard line. And they kicked the field goal from the two-yard line. That's it. There were two fourth-quarter um, garbage-time touchdowns against our backup defense. I saw one of the big passing touchdowns was given up by Corey Ballantine. So there's that. And then the offense, while on one hand you look at it and say, that is our biggest weakness, they really struggled, um, it's tough to figure that one out because they somehow scored 41 points, and I don't know how they did that. I'm going back thinking in my brains, and I'm like, well... I know 14 came from special teams and defense, but I still don't know how we got to 41 because as far as I'm concerned, we scored like a touchdown on offense. In fact, I'm, I'm positive there was a rushing and um, passing touchdown. I'm sure of that because I remember thinking at one point, there's got to be some kind of a cool like thing where you get all the different kinds of touchdowns, you know, a, a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown in a game. In fact, I should look it up and see if I can find it. Last time that's happened, probably be like two weeks ago by some stupid team that made it a not cool stat. But aside from the two touchdowns that were scored by special teams and defense, that's 27 points. That's still a lot of points. And if you track the 14 from the two that I remember, still 13 points sitting out there, which I guess is what? touchdown and three yeah so it's i'm only forgetting one touchdown so they got three touchdowns that's still that's still pretty good man 27 points on offense it's not bad especially when your quarterback throws for 150 yards in a game which let's go through that real quick the uh statistics kirk cousins 18 of 31 205 yards a touchdown and three count them three interceptions two sacks in the game a 49.2 passer rating that is uh, his worst since week two of 2020, his sixth worst game of his career. Aaron Rodgers, 15 of 24, 159 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, same as Cousins. One touchdown, zero interceptions, uh, 24 yards was the longest pass. One sack, 95-7 passer rating. Um, rushing the ball, Kirk Cousins <laughs> was the number one rusher on, uh, on the team. Um, against the worst rush defense you'll ever see in the history of the universe. Dalvin Cook ran nine times for 27 yards, 3.0 yards per carry. Alexander Madison managed eight carries, 38 yards. Oh, no, Madison actually had one more yard. Kirk Cousins, second 
uh, rusher on the team. Three carries, 37 yards, uh, and zero touchdowns at that. Kirk Cousin also with a lost fumble. For the uh, Green Bay Packers, Rodgers, one carry for two yards, killing it. Aaron Jones, 14 carries, 111 yards, 7.9 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon, 12 carries, 41 yards, 3.4 average. Patrick Taylor, 5 carries, 10 yards, 2.0 average. Jordan Love, 1 carry, negative 1 yards. What a loser. What an absolute loser. Um, Is that him taking a knee? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just think we should trade him and cut him and and just get rid of him. Trade him and cut him, I said. should trade him and then bring him back and then cut him and call him stupid. Um, receiving, let's see, where's Justin Jefferson? Five targets, one reception, 15 yards. Sorry, I had to look all the way at the bottom of the list there. Uh, yeah, he was actually the third most targeted behind TJ Hawkinson and KJ Osborne, but only had the one reception for 15 yards. By the way, if that reception was on Jair, that would be the only reception Jair gave up to Justin Jefferson all year. If it wasn't by Jair then he hasn't given up a single reception to Jefferson the entire year. The reason I bring that up is because there's a, a uh, perception out there that um, Jefferson owned Jair week one, and so this is like payback, right? That was the whole thing with coming into this. Now, granted, I told you, you're not shutting down Justin Jefferson. No chance. Jair's not doing it. The team as a collective isn't doing it. Nobody's doing it. It's never been done, never going to be done. Not until he's like 34 years old and his Hall of Fame career is winding down. And then you say, ha ha, you're old. You're not as good as you were. Burn. At worst, in two games, Jair has given up one reception for 15 yards to Justin Jefferson. That's it. And, and here's the thing, there's a whole lot of squabble. Well, Jair didn't do it because of the safeties, and I don't, I, listen, I watched the game. I didn't see a whole lot of double-triple coverage. We've seen those games, right, where they try to fit a tight ball into Justin Jefferson, and he's got three guys around him. We've seen that with Devontae for years, which, by the way, I didn't hear a lot of crying from Devontae about double coverage. That dude was double-triple covered every single game. Nobody ever cried about it. You know why? Because he still got he still got thrown to. He still caught passes. He still got a bunch of yards. And here's another reality that I bet everybody, including Vikings fans, already knows. Justin Jefferson has been double and triple covered all year, anyways. But I don't even remember seeing that in this game. Do you? I remember Justin Jefferson getting thrown to only a handful of times. I remember him falling down, and I think Jair was the only guy around him. I remember the pass in which Jair punched the ball out and Jair was the only one around him. I just don't recall seeing all this double and triple coverage, but we had one guy who was there saying, uh, you know, sometimes they'd roll safety help over the top. Like, bro, that's what safeties do. You mean because there's a safety that's standing there? So if Justin Jefferson runs deep, there's another guy? That's every single play. But but listen, okay, uh, fine. Let's just pretend Jair didn't do anything. Let's pretend he wasn't in man coverage, which he was because he was shadowing him, which is rare. Rare for Jair or for anybody, really, to, to follow a guy as much as he followed Jefferson. And, and nobody's claiming it was 100% of the time. Rogers said it wasn't. Everybody acknowledges it wasn't, and it never is. 
That's normal. Again, nobody ever follows 100% of the time. There's no such thing. It makes your defense way too susceptible if they know you're doing that every single time. But it was still a very high rate. But even still, the Packers' defense erased Justin Jefferson, and nobody's been able to do that. And so while you're squabbling to try to prove Jair isn't actually that good, it doesn't change anything. It really doesn't. Because if Jair is mediocre, but this is the Packers' defense, it has zero bearing, on my opinion, of the defense. Because it just elevates either Joe Barry or the rest of the guys on the defense. To whatever degree, Jair, you want to pull him down, you got to pull everybody else back up because the production on the field is what it is. And, and the more guys you want to say cover Justin Jefferson, the less we're on everybody else. So explain that. Where are all the receptions to the rest of the team? By the way, we brought extra blitzers most of the day, and we've been doing that for a while, which means less guys in coverage. So we're bringing extra blitzers and have extra guys on Justin Jefferson, so everybody else should have been wide open all day long. We don't have Rashawn anymore, so we need to bring help. You know, there's Quay Walker blitzing, and where's the rest of your team? I don't understand. So, and, and, and they're fighting to the death over this. But here's, here's the thing that... There's a lot of reasons why it's stupid, but at the end of the day, if the Packers, well, a couple things. Number one, Jair said week one was a fluke and it wouldn't happen again. He said, last time I didn't get to follow him, this time I am going to follow him and it's going to be different. And it was. And that's the reality. Last time, the Packers did run what the Vikings are saying they ran this time. They didn't let Jair follow him. They ran a whole bunch of combo coverages and zone stuff, trying to bring extra protection over to where Justin Jefferson is to, to erase him with scheme. And it didn't work. This time, they changed it by putting Jair in press man coverage against Justin Jefferson at least a lot more than they did last time. Different result. I mean, different result overall for the defense. But at the end of the day, again, the production from the Vikings offense against the Packers defense is what it was. And if you want to discredit Jair, you just got to elevate everybody else. And I guess everybody else is real good. Because from what I understand, even if it's Jair and one other guy against Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson still should have had about 120 yards and two touchdowns because that dude is unstoppable. And if it's that easy, well, I guess nobody's ever run double coverage against him before. Well, it looks like he just got exposed. Packers running revolutionary defenses out here. Defensive coordinators around the league going, dang, double cover. I never thought of that against Justin Jefferson. Wow. That's what you got to do, huh? That's crazy. Come on now. And again, all this to just try to win a little bit of ground. That, that means ultimately nothing in the grand scheme of things. But it's just to try to steal something away. Jair said ahead of time that this was going to happen, and nobody believed it. And then it happened, and it's, uh, it wasn't him. Just stop. Just, you got to stop. Because of some technicality with double coverage. Okay, well, I didn't see it. I'm sure it existed, because it had to, because it's Justin Jefferson. And because, again, that's just how defenses run. I mean, there's, there's, in fact, actually, I'm, I think I do remember that Justin Jefferson, maybe it wasn't Jefferson. I remember one catch in particular, where Jair appeared to be in man, and then dropped off, and... The guy came across the middle, and I think Amos went and got him, and then Jair came up and hit him real hard. Jair didn't give up that reception. They were in zone coverage. And as far as I'm concerned, nobody was really covering him because he ran to an open zone in the field. 
If that was his one reception, that, that had nothing to do with anybody. That was a schematic thing. Maybe it was Amos who should have been able to fill that faster, I don't know, but had nothing to do with Jair. But if that's what we're talking about with, with safety help, because he's running free down the middle of the field, okay, just so long as we understand, number one, you're 90% wrong, and number two, you are gaining so little ground that it's a little ridiculous to fight this hard just to get it. But at least that's somewhat sensible compared to some of the stuff that's out there. Um, apparently, Reddit is the place to be. Not for me necessarily, because this is an audio thing. But Reddit apparently is what Packer fans like to do. They go to Bears and Vikings uh, subreddits whenever the Bears and the Vikings lose because it's just an absolute uh, cesspool of psychotic individuals who don't have any idea what they're talking about and just are weeping and, and living in a world of denial. And that's where things like this apparently um, occur. This is via Tim Bax on Twitter. He uh, posted a screenshot. I'm going to read this to you. This is how bad things are getting. This is from Glass Cherry 425 on Reddit. I know we didn't play our best football in multiple areas, but it was kind of odd that the dead middle of the field was covered in water and slopping wet when Green Bay hasn't received any precipitation since 1223. First of all, that was like a week ago. Second of all, according to people in Green Bay, it literally rained yesterday, which would make sense because it's been raining all throughout Wisconsin the last couple days. Um, also, when snow melts, it makes things wet. But anyways, um, he says... I think they hose down the field to their advantage. You could also see it drying as the game went on. No wonder why Jair was so confident. He only had to guard half the field, and he has the speed difference. They removed all plays across midfield, hence why they were slipping all game. We were prepared for dry conditions, making the cornerback's job really easy. All they had to do was focus on stopping the run. Also, with the wet field, they're at advantage because they're a run-heavy team. Mm and their receivers are picked for speed to beat you down the field. They also had time to prepare for their tactics. I want answers on why the field was slopping wet since they haven't had rain or snow since before Christmas. Dirty, dirty move by the Packers at minimum, at maximum, borderline cheating. And he like double, triple, quadruple down on that on Reddit. He's, he's out there just going, going wild. But also, did you see that? I didn't, see, I didn't see any water splashing up. Did you see any? I mean, you've seen that before, right? When guys get tackled and it's raining outside, when they get tackled on the field, what happens? Water splashes up. Did you see water splashing? I didn't see any water splashing. Maybe it did. I don't know. I don't recall seeing that. I think I would have because I would have thought, oh, dang, is it, is it wet up there? That's crazy. I didn't see any of that. Anyways, allow me to continue. Um, other receptions. Seven to TJ Hawkinson for just 59 yards. Uh, seven to KJ Osborne, again, for just 59 yards. Naylor was the only one that had more than that with 89 because of his two big plays, again, against a backup defense. Then you had Dalvin, two receptions, 17 yards. Thielen had one reception, 16 yards, which, again, is the other wild part. Adam Thielen, I know he's not peak Adam Thielen, but it's still Adam Thielen. The Packers didn't just shut down Justin Jefferson. They shut down all of the wide receivers, all of them. The number one wide receiver was K.J. Osborne, who got 59 yards and a touchdown. And again, how much of that came in the after the starters went out? I know the touchdown was. How many of the yards were after? How many yards were given up to wide receivers against our starting defense? I look forward to looking that up. 
and I will. Thielen and Jefferson, two receptions, 31 yards, zero touchdowns. There you go. By the way, again, despite Vikings fans trying to downplay this, like, oh, whatever, it doesn't mean anything, Packers aren't that good, blah, blah, blah. Worst look at the record. This had major implications for a lot of things. Justin Jefferson was supposedly going to be getting a bunch of MVP votes, possibly going to be the, the league MVP. Not going to happen. Also, him trying to break all kinds of records, that just got shot right in the face. There's still one more game, but you know what's really discouraging about all that? If he gets it, it's only because of that one extra game this season. He would not have gotten it in a normal 16-game season. That's if he even gets the records, whatever those records are. What, what is he shooting for? I thought there was a bunch of them. Here, with 133 receiving yards on Saturday, Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson now has a real shot at history. He has 1,756 yards through 15 games. At that rate, 117 per game, Justin, just, Justin Jefferson will finish the year with 1,990 yards receiving. With only 244 yards in the next two games, 122 average, Justin will become the first receiver in league history with 2,000 receiving yards. Both games will be played outdoors in cold weather cities in eight days. The field uh, in eight days, the Vikings visit the Packers. A week later, Minnesota finishes the regular season at Soldier Field. So he was averaging 117 per game. He needed to get all the way up to 122 per game. So he needed better than average games. He managed 15 yards. The record, well, he had, let's see, uh, 1756 plus 15. There's some tough math. 1771. So he needs 229 yards in the upcoming game. This is not me saying Justin Jefferson's not good. I've been pumping that guy up since day one. What I am saying is, look what the Packers took from you. You cannot get the number one seed anymore. Justin Jefferson, very likely to not be the MVP anymore. Justin Jefferson will not get to 2,000 yards anymore. All of this went to zero because the Vikings sucked against the Packers. Didn't even show up in a game that's this important. You want to know why Justin Jefferson's so mad? That's why. You're going to pretend like this wasn't important? This was massively important. And hilariously, you got Vikings fans out there. I, I, I don't know if I played it on the podcast or not, but I saw somebody was talking about, I'd much rather play the Packers in the postseason. Please give me the Packers in the postseason. As opposed to what? Seattle? Washington? New York? You just beat New York. Washington's a joke. And Seattle, come on. But that's what they said. A team that you'd much rather play. Packers are no good. All that. Okay, so now you just got to settle for being some middling uh, playoff team who hasn't been good in what, five, six, seven, eight weeks? I mean, I'm not sure that the Vikings have proven anything beyond that Buffalo game. Certainly not anything since. Not to mention you guys had a great opportunity to prove you're not frauds, right? This is the second time you've been underdogs to a Lions and Packers team. Second time. And you could easily prove everybody wrong by just winning the game. Just prove everybody wrong. You picked us as underdogs and you were wrong. You called us frauds and you were wrong. It's all you had to do. And what happened? Lions spanked you and the Packers freaking embarrassed you. You can pump up your record all day. It doesn't matter. Nobody's buying it. And you're going to have to hear it all week long because you know what? I'm not sure exactly what the narrative is going to be on the Packers. We're going to find out. Oh, we are going to find out. Believe me. 
But I know what the Vikings narrative is going to be because I've been listening. And and like I said, the thing that shocked me so much about last week is that nobody, no, I dedicated an entire episode to just waiting to find any, two, three, I don't know however many episodes, to, to just trying to find one person that would believe in the Vikings. Not just de- de- denigrate the Packers. Actually, genuinely believe the Vikings will win because they're a really, really good football team. Nobody said that. Nobody. I had a hard time finding Vikings fans, and I'm not even positive if there are any. They they were upset about this is disrespectful, this is stupid. Da, da. Okay, fine, it's disrespectful. But are you a good football team? Well, I, we shouldn't be underdogs, okay. But are you a good football team? Like, should you be six point favorites in this game, or are we just talking about like we should be like two point favorites because we're kind of better than the Packers, but not um, not much. Just wondering. Packers receivers, um, the most receptions went to Lazard for 59 yards, Tunyon, three for 52 yards, uh, Romeo Dobbs, three for 20, R- Aaron Jones, two for two, two for two yards, Randall Cobb, two for 20, and then Watson, one for 11, DeGuara, one for four. They tried to hit Watson a bunch of times. Um, again, at three, my recollection was, Says he was five targets, one reception. I remember three bad passes. One of those bad passes was, again, catchable, and he dropped it. Defender or not, if it hits you in the face, catch it. I don't remember what happened on the other passing play. It's another one that annoyed me with Romo. And maybe I'm just not remembering it wrong, but there was one that just went way out of bounds to where it was impossible to catch. And Romo's like, yeah, I don't know. Christian Watson didn't get his head around. Bro, it went out of bounds. What are you talking about? Anyways, um, let's look at uh, defense. I was going to say defense and then we're done, but we got to talk about special teams a little bit. Uh, Green Bay Packers, there was no leader on in tackling, which is rare. Usually there's one person that's way ahead. Devondre had eight, Quay had eight, Amos had eight. Those are the three that you would expect even distribution among them. Um, solo tackles was Adrian Amos. He had the most. Sacks by Kenny Clark and Justin Hollins were the two. Amos, Hollins, and Slayton with tackles for a loss. Kenny Clark with a forced fumble. Amos, Savage, and Rudy Ford with interceptions. Obviously, um, let's see, Amos returned his for 26 yards. Savage was 75 yards and a touchdown. Rudy Ford returned for 19 yards. And then you had pass deflections, which I think interceptions are included, so just subtract one if they had an interception. Amos with two, Savage with one, Quay with one, Slayton, Slayton with two pass deflections, good Lord, Rudy Ford with one, Razul Douglas with two, Jair Alexander with one. And then, and then special teams. Punt return, not a ton, Randall Cobb had one for 15, Keyshawn one for 10, then you got kick return, only one, because you know the Vikings didn't really score points and stuff. One kick return, 105 yards, and a touchdown. He returned one kick, and it was a 105-yard touchdown. I don't get it, man. How is Keyshawn Nixon the most electrifying guy on this team? More than Watson, more than Aaron Jones. It's Keyshawn Nixon. What is this universe we're living in? And, and then Mason Crosby... We, we're elevating kickers because this guy's struggling. Mason Crosby on that opening kickoff, it looked like it went, hit it like the 20-yard line. I'm thinking this guy's cooked, man. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's really struggling. He's done. He's over with. Then we line up for a 56-yard field goal, and I'm thinking, 
I mean, go for it. We'll see how it goes, but there's no way. He's got nothing in him right now. And he bangs through a 56-yarder, and to make it better, it hit the crossbar and went in, which just makes it so much better. Because for a Vikings team that has had all the little things go their way all season to give them this one-win thing, all the little things went against them in this game. The tip passes that ended up going right to the defender's hands. The wide receivers that fall and the ball goes into the defender's hands. They've got a really good kick returner that's been helping them get these little bit extra. It was a kick returner that got them. The field goal bounces, it hits the crossbar and bounces in, not out. All the little stuff broke against them. And then it did it again, and again, and again, and again, and led to this massive blowout. Anyways, why don't we take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. Also, please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So I want to look over at uh, PFF's uh, recap of the game. We'll get into their grades and whatnot on uh, tomorrow's podcast, but... Offensive spotlight. Packers running back Aaron Jones ran wild on Sunday, racking up 111 yards on 14 attempts with just 35 yards coming after contact. Three of his runs went for 10 yards or more on an average of 5.4 yards before contact per carry on the day. And I thought I heard them say something about this is the first time the Vikings have given up 100 yards to to a single rusher in a game. Defensive spotlight. Here we go. 
Packers cornerback Jair Alexander was tested just once on Sunday, and he forced an incompletion. He'll finish this one with another 80-plus grade. That's weird. PFF is so trash, bro. Didn't they realize that there were safeties? What do you mean Jair was tested? Don't you mean Jair and half the defense that was just mugging him out there? Didn't you see the the three or four guys that were following Justin Jefferson around like a like a swarm of 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 freaking hornets? Look like look like a look like the Boston Marathon out there. Just all of them running together down the field. Justin Jefferson looked like the sun out there with all these planets in orbit, just circling them. What do you mean Jair wasn't was tested just once? How is it Jair? Duh. Jair didn't do anything, stupid. Haven't you heard? Then it says offensive line spotlight. In a game that featured high-quality offensive line play, it was Green Bay's unit that came out on top. On first review, the Packers' offensive line allowed one sack and three hurries across 29 passing plays. It's another one. Remember, I said Zadarius and Daniil get a ton of pressures in these games. They didn't in this game. Probably because we had like nine blockers. Packers always cheating. We had six guys covering Justin Jefferson. We had four extra blockers in on plays. Cheating so much, dude. Oh, and by the way, just occurred to me, something else the Vikings could have done, aside from you know Justin Jefferson trying to break an all-time record, aside from the Vikings trying to have a shot at the number one seed, especially with, with the Eagles completely. The, the Vikings were a lock for the number two seed. The only reason they couldn't get it is because the Eagles were not going to lose enough games to uh, be able to, uh, you know, give it up. But now they lost Jalen Hurts, and now there are other teams that are battling and contending, and the Vikings would have been first in line to take advantage of that, but have now fallen off. But I completely forgot about the biggest one. You had the opportunity to end the Packers' season. Dead. Gone. Forever. No mas. An opportunity to prove your supremacy in the NFC North. And again, you've had two opportunities in the last month, and you failed in both. Like I mentioned on Twitter, congratulations to the Vikings for being the number one team in the NFC North, despite being the third best team in the NFC North. Who would even argue with that at this point? You think data is going to back you up? Do you think nothing is? The only thing you have is your record that has meant nothing. How much has your record helped you? In any of these games, did your record, your better record, help you against the Lions or the Packers? No. So why are you still leaning on that? You look at the data, you look at the information. Vikings fans were losing it, losing it. I know uh, it was funny because I saw Vikings fans were so mad. DVOA was literally trending, and I was like, "Why is DVOA trending?" It's because Vikings fans were breaking down about DVOA, and largely, I think. Peter Bukowski had posted some stuff on there, and Vikings fans lost their mind. And one of the things that some some guy was going on an absolute tirade in his comments. I was going to comment, but I'm like, I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm not going to jump in here. I got to. I'm going to end up in a fight forever. And and the thing is, it it ends up being like PFF. I'm going to go find something that I think is stupid, and you have to tell me that it's not stupid. But you're not going to be able to tell me that it's not stupid because my entire argument is based on, well, duh, bro. And it was something to the effect of. I refuse to believe DVOA because it says that the Vikings offense is worse than the Giants and some other couple teams. And the, and the Vikings offense was right. That was the thing. E- even according to supposedly the Vikings have a better offense and defense and special teams, which is a flat out lie. The defense is significantly worse. The special teams isn't as good. Uh, the only thing that's supposedly better on just raw statistics is offense, but more advanced metrics 
Offense isn't even as good. DVOA is one of those metrics. And it was like, they're, they're, you you bunch of dummies, there's no way. You can't tell me that the Vikings offense is this bad. Prove it. Prove it. All the advanced stats that Vikings fans are trying to say are stupid and don't mean anything and are wrong and just watch the film, bro. Back it up. Show me. Look what happened in this game. Yeah, you scored a bunch of points a bunch of, uh, against a bunch of garbage teams. That's the whole point of DVOA. It, it takes into account the competition. By the way, the Packers defense and, you know, the 49ers defense. Supposedly, it's not even like a, like a top 16-ish defense. It's kind of just bad. I mean, you know, there's the whole fourth quarter thing, which that stat just got thrown in the trash thanks to the two garbage time touchdowns. Apparently, the only thing we can't do anymore is stop anybody in the fourth quarter because we blow them out so much, we pull our starters. <laughs> which I guess I'm okay with that. So, yeah, the Vikings had more than everything to play for. Hence the frustration from Justin Jefferson. So again, all the quote-unquote copium that's out there of the it doesn't matter, calm down, we're still 12-4 and four or whatever the record is now, doesn't matter, it does. And it did. And you know it. Because more importantly than where you're seated, is the reality of what your team is. That's why it matters. And you can recite your record back all you want. It doesn't matter. The reality right now is staring you in the face. This team is bad. If you ran the season back, I think the Vikings missed the playoffs. Period. They're the third best team in the NFC North. They can't beat anybody. I think the Vikings would miss the playoffs at this point. If we restarted the season right now and ran it through, Packers are in. Lions are probably in. Vikings are out. Bears, of course, are out. They just spiraling wildly out of control. And beyond that, there was quite a bit of injuries in this game, right? The whole thing about your the, the Vikings team going into uh, you know the postseason is the offense can beat anybody, but that defense is going to cause problems. And, and, the, and the bottom line is the Vikings can beat anybody but lose to anybody because they're scary, but they also suck. And that's not championship football because you have to be consistent and that's what the vikings are not well now you just lost some a bunch of offensive linemen you lost your center i don't know for how long maybe he's coming back you lost your backup center but even more importantly is your off your right tackle i heard somebody say one of the best in the game that might be a slight exaggeration but make no mistake he's a very good right tackle he really is and now you start going up against actual good defenses Right, Packers, as good as they played, they don't have pass rushers. Rashawn Gary was the pass rush, and he's been out for half the season. But you start going into the postseason, they all got pass rushers. That's why they're in the the postseason. The 49ers? Man, I want to see the Vikings play the 49ers so bad for so many reasons. First of all, it is going to be... It's... it's, it's, Well, first of all, it's win-win. If the Vikings find a way to beat the 49ers, thanks for clearing the field. But that isn't going to happen. The 49ers are going to eviscerate the Vikings, which is going to be satisfying in and of itself. But the fact that the Vikings have been sitting there talking about, oh, you lose the 49ers again. <laughs> and then to see the 49ers do it to them, it would just be beautiful. But the reality is, they got pass rushers, bro. For days. Dallas got pass rushers. Heck, Washington's got pass rushers. The Giants have pass rushers. At least one that I know of. By, by the way, here's something to think about. Are the Vikings going to rest their starters next week? Can you imagine if you rest your starters and lose 
what that does to the mentality of your team? Don't you kind of need a win? You go into the playoffs being called frauds with back-to-back losses. But if you don't, and you're already starting to see some injury issues, which again, coming into this game, the Vikings are very not injured. Suddenly the injury bug's starting to bite. I don't know, man. What are you going to do? Anyways, you've heard me on this podcast mention many times that um, people referencing the Packers with a 3% chance to get into the playoffs, it's kind of dumb. For the simple fact that if the Packers do what they are likely to do, the number's just going to jump. And even coming into this game, remember prior to the Vikings game, again, you had the ESPN lady saying something like, oh, wow, they have like a 27% chance. Whoop-dee-doo. Erb-derb, who cares? Okay, but if the Packers win, which is likely to happen, then what? And not only did the Packers win, but Washington lost. So the Packers now are sitting at a 62% chance to get into the playoffs. And so, I mean, I I get it, but I understand saying it's just a 27% chance. But the fact that there's like a 50% chance that they're going to have a 70% chance (laughs) makes it silly to say, oh, that's ridiculous. They have no chance. It's only 27%. Pretty close to being a pretty good shot. And here we are. And again, the only thing that happened that wasn't expected to happen was Washington beating Cleveland, and that was basically a coin flip game. And it doesn't matter anyways, because the likelihood that Washington was going to win the next two games was very low. This was the easier of the two games, and they lost. By the way, how many teams have the Packers eliminated from playoffs? I think we eliminated the Rams. I thought there was somebody else. But anyways, I just saw this. I'm sorry for the buzzing. I don't know why this is so obnoxious, but this is kind of funny. This is the uh, head coach of the uh, Washington Commanders here. You would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, oh, then you guys are eliminated. You would talk. <laughs> and and it, it's, it's just funny, though, because the Packers were, were dead and gone, and all they've done since then is not just survive, But they've just killed so many teams' chances of getting into the playoffs, which is what you have to do if you're going to get in because you're just taking everybody else's spot. By the way, the Giants officially clinched. They're in. But we took the number one spot away from the Vikings. We eliminated the Rams and the Commanders from the playoffs. And next week, we're going to look to do that exact same thing to the Lions, officially ending their season. But you know what else is interesting? Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, in fact, I am positive, if the Seahawks lose, then it just comes down entirely to win and you're in for Packers-Lions. If I go to this simulator and say, okay, the Seahawks lost, what are the odds? It's 61-39 in favor of the Packers right now. The Packers are opening up at four and a half point favorites against the Lions, which actually, I think it's really, really early. I should, uh, should get my bets in like today before the Lions all move. But anyways, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I said we weren't going to pull any receipts, but let's pull one for the fun of it. Um, Colin Coward was very anti-Packers against Miami, which is, again, is why it's so funny that suddenly Miami is a trash football team. Colin Coward did something he's never done on his show, on his betting show, Sharper Square. Um, He not only picked the Packers to lose, he picked the exact score, which is something apparently you never do. It's what I do for fun, but it's just kind of showing my work, I guess. I'm not a professional better. I just play one on TV. 
But he said the Packers would lose something like 31 to 17 or something ridiculous. He said he, he hated the Packers, loved Miami in that game, wasn't going to be close. Did he learn his lesson? Here's what he said in this game. Here's his pick. I'm going to take Minnesota plus three here, sharper square. <laughs> so he's betting against the Packers over and over and over again. Now, to be fair, what he said is he thinks that it's a close game if Watson plays. Minnesota covers if Watson doesn't. Watson's 50-50, therefore, I don't know. Don't care. You made your pick. You keep betting against the Packers. Made your bed, now you lay in it. Plus, the Watson thing, turns out, had no impact on this game. I mean, I shouldn't say no impact. I'm, it, it Again, Watson helps our offense even if he doesn't catch passes. But the point is, we didn't need our offense to score a single point to win this game. Now, obviously, that isn't necessarily true based on their two four. Uh, they're two seven-point uh, garbage time touchdowns. I don't know why I felt like saying seven points. Just leave me alone, man. I'm tired. But again, up until the fourth quarter, before we pulled our starters, I mean, in, in, again, who knows how things go if we don't score more points or how that works. But the score of the game, just based on defense and special teams and their offensive production, would have been 14-3 to three with our offense doing nothing. And then presumably we wouldn't pull our starters. But... Uh, yeah, feels good, man. Keep betting against the Packers. Look forward to uh, pulling some receipts. That process begins today. Tomorrow, um, we do have some PFF grades, so we'll have to decide between should we just start pulling receipts? Should we do half PFF, half receipts? What should we do? I don't know. But for that, uh, for now, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.